Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to another episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star host, David Strausser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. You are going to be blown away with the episode I got in store for you. It's an amazing story of two rock star ladies who just launched a business right before the pandemic. You know, right when everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Well, they have a fascinating story. Love to hear it. And I just can't wait to air it. So I'm going to do a really short intro today. But first, remember, I did just launch my own business, uh, Dead House Coffee. And everybody out there that watches, listens to Sharp Bite Biz, use code SHARK. Get 20% off your order and all the proceeds go to directly support this show. And just go to deadhousecoffee.com. Now let's get back to our episode. Oftentimes on this show, I mean, we really talk about getting enterprise level technology at a small business price point and feasibility. Tools that allow you to make your life easier, automate the simple things in life that really just end up paying dividends to you and your team in the long run. Today's episode, it's just about that. So who's today's guest? Sister-in-laws and co-founders of Rock Paper Coin, Elizabeth and Nora Shields. Nora and Elizabeth Shields are the founders of Rock Paper Coin, the first software platform to bring together wedding planners, couples, and vendors into one system for managing and paying contracts and invoices. Nora is also the founder of an award-winning firm, Bridal Bliss, where Elizabeth serves as a lead wedding planner and manager of the Seattle team. So without further delay, let's bring Elizabeth and Nora on in here. Small Biz Spotlight. Nora, Elizabeth, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You two ladies, you just became shark bait. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) So typically we have the tradition here in the show. I was just telling you all this. It's usually, hey, you know, what's your background? What's your experience? What's your subject matter expertise? How'd you get where you are? Give us a down low. But we have two people and we only have a half hour show. So I'm going to put a twist on the question. Your, your company is called Rock Paper Coin. From what I see, it looks pretty awesome. Why don't you two ladies give us the bio of Rock Paper Coin? What makes Rock Paper Coin Rock paper coin. That's a tongue <laughs> Well, it's so fun to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Oh, no problem. Um, we are wedding industry veterans. Elizabeth and I have over 30 years of experience in the wedding industry. We actually started out as planners. 
Um, and we share the same last name because we are married to brothers. So we are sisters-in-law and um, actually worked together before we became family. So we have a really fun background together. Um, But we worked for many years as wedding planners in the Pacific Northwest and Mm -hmm. really struggled with um, kind of the repetitive nature and having to constantly remind our clients to do things and sign paperwork and make their payments. And so we um, would commiserate over cocktails very regularly. (laughs) I like how you phrase that. So basically you went out and got drunk. (laughs) Yeah, much. Yeah. You, you say that in the past tense. It's not past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we decided that we needed to find a way to streamline the company and make things easier for everybody. And we tried every type of software out there, wedding specific or not. And there was just nothing that worked well for our team and really understood our industry. So we set out to just build some software for us to use internally and were obviously very naive and didn't really (laughs) understand what that meant. So um, we learned how expensive it is, how involved it is, and just kind of thought about it a little bit and started talking with our vendor friends in the industry, planners throughout the United States. We talked to probably 800 people and found that it wasn't just us that had this problem and there really was a need for some software to, to solve it. So um, enter rock, paper, coin. We, uh, um, we awesome. hired a, a full stack development team and um, we spent several years on it and we actually just launched at the end of 2019. So um, what a perfect time a to launch a software company, right? <laughs> I know for the wedding yeah. industry. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So one of the reasons that I was really interested in having you both on is because I don't know if you know it with my background, but I am also in software industry in tech in automation. I do it with tier one solutions for you know, larger companies that'll be like SAP Business One, that's for like companies that make or move uh, products. And then you have Sage Intact, which is going to be like, we usually go with nonprofits, things like that, software companies, you know, a, a solution like that, but on a much larger scale. And when I saw what uh, you all were doing, I mean, I found that intriguing, like, hey, this is this is pretty cool. I like it. Can you maybe just give us a little bit high level, like what your software does, what it actually automates and what needs solutions it actually fits for customers? Yeah. So we focus on digitizing the contracts and the invoice process. So um, we automate quite a bit of it. Couples can sign on the go, make payments on the go. Um, That's kind of like the core of our functionality, but Mm -hmm. our biggest differentiator is that we incorporate three different parties. So what's different than a lot of other industries, um, which is actually kind of similar to the construction industry. If you think of it Mm -hmm. that way, there, there are three parts. There are the couples who are getting married, there are the wedding planners, and then there are the vendors. Just like in construction, there are right. the the general contractors, the different vendors, and then the people that are remodeling their home or doing whatever. Right. So 
um, most platforms separate all those parties. And so there's no cohesion. People don't know what's going on and it just causes more headache for everybody. So with us, everyone is incorporated. Everyone receives the same um, notifications and communication and the wedding planners can act on behalf of their, on their clients so they can sign their contracts, make their payments and just speed along the entire planning process for them. Okay. That, that's great. So who would this software solution really then be targeted to? Is it for wedding planners themselves? Like that, that's who it's for? Yeah. So it's for like anyone who's in the industry. So, you know, okay. anyone who has a business that is serving, you know, couples that are getting married, but we do target wedding planners as past planners ourselves. Of course, you know, we had mm -hmm. to build in some extra perks. <laughs> for the planners on the platform. So um, mm -hmm. there, there's some added, added benefits when you're a planner, but we love kind of going after and marketing towards the wedding planner because it really does streamline their business so much. Um, and that's really where we were kind of like solving our own, our own headache. Okay. Okay. That's pretty, pretty awesome. So I, I really want to hear you know, launching, doing software in period is not a fun thing. When I sell a new customer, I, I usually tell them, look, I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be painful. There's going to be points you want to quit. You want to fire us. You hate us, whatever it may be. This is going to be worse than a full body transplant. <laughs> it is that bad. My job is to make it as painless as possible, but you're still going to feel some pain. It's just going to be a lot easier and smoother, but it's worth it because when it's all said and done, you finally go live. That's where you're going to feel the weights lifted off. You're no longer going to be passive aggressive towards me. And who knows, you might actually send me a thank you card. So that that's kind of like how I view that whole process and the learning experience. I mean, how was that experience for you? It is the same. <laughs> the, learning, <laughs> the learning experience, I mean, First, so Nora and I are obviously non-technical co-founders. So we came okay. from a wedding planning background. So our experience in tech was none, like literally none. And ignorance was bliss because, yeah. you know, <laughs> had we had known what we know now, <laughs> I don't know if we'd be here. But, you know, what's interesting is that we went into our first development meeting and we were like, we totally know what we want. Like, here's the product, you know. And then they started talking and Nora and I were like, oh no, we don't know a single word they're saying. And we're like scribbling down like every single word and we're having to Google it later at night. Oh, like, wait, what was that meeting about? And so it was, it was, it's a good thing. I think, I mean, obviously we've had probably a bumpier road being non-technical co-founders, but I think that in a weird way, it allowed us to educate ourselves about technology and then surround ourselves with the right people, you know, instead of like knowing the technology and then assembling our group, we had to take that extra first step to really get educated ourselves. So, I mean, honestly, Nora and I would talk to anybody who had a heartbeat. Like we were just like, oh yeah. my God, you're in tech. Okay. Can we talk to you? Like, tell us everything you know. <laughs> it's gonna be a sponge. Hey, that, that is, that is great though. And coming at it from that angle, I can see where 
you know, like you said, the ignorance is bliss. I, I, I see a definite angle there with that to where it's beneficial because knowing what you know now to go back in those rooms, oh my God. you would have had preconceived concept. Oh, this is going to be too okay. hard. This is too <laughs> difficult, too expensive. Whereas <laughs> instead it's the reverse where it's like, okay, here's the blueprint and uh, we're going to build it, but then you don't know how much materials are, importation, yeah. anything like that. It, it sounds like that was yeah. fun. We yeah, had to take the ramp up. <laughs> yeah. Nobody was, gave us the warning that you gave us when you started this question uh, <laughs> about how difficult it was going to be. <laughs> I, I should have I should have started the podcast two years ago then. <laughs> how, how long did it take you all to run, like uh, build up the product to get your first go live uh, solution set or what? Yeah, we probably um, were in development for eight months before we had kind of a product demo. Um, and then from there, we started doing... That's actually you know, fast. Yeah, and it was um, it was a little rocky, like um, a lot of bugs, you know, a lot. Of, <laughs> we had a lot of like user, you know, sessions and feedbacks, and we did a bunch of focus groups before we actually put it out to the public. And um, just about the year mark in development, we like put it out into like the world with just our, our friends and mm -hmm. then used that for three months and then finally launched in November of 2019. Um, so, you know, call it like a, just over a year. Um, we were very like pleased with that timeline. And now that we know mm -hmm. what we know but in it, we were like, I'm sorry, this should take like three months. Like, why is this so complicated? Oh. You know, we had like no idea about the timeline of things. Um, but I mean, thankfully in kind of this like startup process, we just did like tons of research and really our like network just gave us that kind of like competitive edge. And we just talked to anybody and everybody in the industry um, to make sure that we were teaming up with the right people, because ultimately like you could have a good development team, but if you don't have like a good marketing team or, you know, mm -hmm. vice versa, like you can then experience a lot of friction. So I think what allowed us to go to market pretty quick is that we did so much research before actually getting into development. Wow. Something that was really surprising too, as we were kind of starting and, and talking to everybody was how willing people were to spend time with us, just educating us and telling mm -hmm. us their story and things they've learned. Like, I mean, so many people from, from people in marketing and sales to people that have um, built and sold companies. It was, it was really um, a, a wonderful experience and something that I, yeah. I didn't expect. So the um, startup community for the most part is pretty open, yeah. welcoming, especially if you're looking at a software base solution i don't know why i don't think hardware gets as much love yeah you know, unless you're like in one of those like qualcomm incubators or something but uh you know the the software things i i think it's just because a lot of that stuff i think one thing people overlook is that technology is very black and white okay like for example i will get a manufacturer that's like hey maybe they do shoes okay and they're like hey we want to talk to a reference and i'm like okay um i'll get you one and instead of a shoe manufacturer who would be a potential competitor maybe i get them a t-shirt manufacturer and they're like i don't want a t-shirt manufacturer we do shoes they're totally different and i'm like 
Yes, they are different products. Yes, you do do some things differently, but in the eyes of technology, for the yeah. most part at a high level, you're looking black and white. You're going to be around roughly the same steps, the same processes, the same uh, solution stack and things like that. Did you experience like that type of stuff at all? Yeah, we had so many people that were like willing to give us advice and talk to us exactly like you said, but then they were directing us to other friends in the industry who, yep. you know, built software. And at that time, I don't even know if we knew what SaaS meant. Like we were so <laughs> green. We were way in over our head. Hey, it's and all about the ACV. <laughs> <laughs> and so they would introduce us to be like, here's another like, you know, SaaS builder. And Nora and I are like, they do payroll. Like, why are we talking to them? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Know, but now, obviously, knowing what we know, it's like, oh my, like, they were a wealth of knowledge. And, you yep. know, we were so appreciative. Um, and thankfully, Nora and I didn't get in our own way too much and, and let those relationships continue to unfold. <laughs> That's great. Did, did, did either of you ladies learn how to code yet? Oh my gosh. Anything? No. no. <laughs> I tell you, that is something that I wish I knew how. I, I think our developers are trying to keep us busy enough so we don't take it up as a side hobby. <laughs> They're like, stay out of the code base. We don't want you in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. I find it beneficial. So, like with me, for example, I did not go for a degree in business or management or anything. I, I actually have a degree from Penn State in information sciences technology. I understand software. I understand hardware. But I took that tech degree so that I was able to do the business. I mean, the sales business stuff, I have that naturally and through experience. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have those hard skills in the tech world. And I'm not a practice, obviously. I mean, I haven't really coded anything much since I was in college, but I still retained enough knowledge to where I understand the concepts. If I see code, I can generally read it or understand how, how things work. And that is a skill that I find important even today, you know, because if we have a problem with one of our developments and a, a custom add-on, sometimes I'll just look at it. I'll be like, hey, Susan, you know, make this tweak, I think, because it looks bad. And they're like, no, but then they do it and it works. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, told you. <laughs> yeah, we're not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's, uh, we, we, we touched on this a little bit. Um, I think doing a startup in the pandemic, now, obviously you're kind of pre-pandemic, but you said December, 2019? Like yeah, right around November. November, November, December. So right when COVID started breaking out in China uh, at the, the brew of this, you were ready to break out too. Yeah, we were like, here we come. And then everyone was like, not so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, though, I mean, can you speak a little bit to how that process is during a COVID world, you know, help some entrepreneurs really understand, you know, new entrepreneurs that are looking to maybe do a solution like y'all are doing, okay? What experience you went through in terms that it got presented with COVID that may not have been so hard or easy if COVID wasn't there? Yeah. 
I think COVID was a blessing and a curse for the company. Honestly, the wedding, the wedding industry halted and it's for, in some places Mm -hmm. it is still halted. So our numbers aren't as high as far as transactions go than we would have hoped, but we have way more signups than we expected. And we attribute that to a lot of these wedding professionals having downtime where they normally wouldn't had they had a true wedding season. Right. So, so many of them took the time to like sit back, take a high level look at their company, see what they needed to streamline. And at the same time, they're not able to see their clients. So they need a way to interact with them that's virtually and quickly and easily. And we were the perfect solution. So, um, and we also offered a free membership for people that signed up during COVID. So there were no additional fees for them to use us or try us out. So it was totally a win-win for them to at least give it a chance and sign up and and try it out a little bit on their clients, which has paid off immensely. Okay. And so with that, then, uh, I guess, so that is one thing, because I know for example, with the way our industry was, all the a lot of projects went on hold. I mean, I'm in the Northeast too. So you have to remember, unlike other parts of the country where it may have been semi-locked on, I mean, from DC to Maine, we were essentially all closed down for a good portion of the year. And because of that, all sales cycles essentially stopped. Most of our projects got put on hold because there wasn't anybody in the office to be able to, yeah. to do them. Uh, you know, in the office at our customer site. And it allowed us to take advantage because most of our competitors were like that too. So they laid people off. It allowed me to hire them and get that (laughs) talent on my team. And going forward this year, I mean, I have a superstar team with all the new people we just hired. It's amazing. It sounds (laughs) like you definitely then were benefiting from that as well too with, um, you know, with, with your product, right? Yeah, we're very fortunate in that we went out and we raised money last year um, that allowed us, you know, to have a budget for, you know, 18 months, so to say. So Mm -hmm. like, yes, you know, um, it was kind of a horrible time to like launch a new business and, you know, so many businesses are, you know, suffering and going through some trials right now, but we at least had like money in the bank to continue our like good fight and, you know, like growing our team and um, bringing the product to market in, in the light that we wanted to. So we were very, very fortunate um, and not everybody is in that position um, or can be in that position. So we were glad to, you know, have secured those funds before the, the pandemic hit. Um, and then, like you said, you know, there's so much talent out there right now. And um, it's nice to be able to, you know, be a place that is hiring and that is growing um, to, you know, bring on that really, you know, talented applicant pool to continue to grow your business. Yeah. I mean, the startup world too, especially if you start getting at the software, I think one of the benefits you all have that isn't really available for a lot of other companies, like bigger companies, like where I work, for example, is that uh, it's easier to get people, I think, to buy into an awesome idea like yours, especially because I mean, like a lot of benefits, bonuses, like sweat equity, stuff like that. Did you have to use stuff like that to attract people to get onto your team or was it easier than that? I mean, a little bit it was kind of yeah like uh you know a little bit here and there um 
but for the most part, like I think, you know, being a startup, um, you know, obviously there's uncertainties, but it's also like shiny and bright. So it right. attracts the the right applicant in some ways that like, it's really fun. Um, Nora and I are very hands-off in our management style. So, you know, somebody who's maybe been at like a super stable job and is looking for something new, it's, it's kind of a different transition for them. Um, mm -hmm. Nora and I, we like, we're operating um, Bridal Bliss, the wedding planning company in the 08-09 recession. So we kind of lived through, obviously this is very different, but we lived through a little right. bit of a downtime um, that kind of shook the industry up a little bit. And, you know, I would say like, what's been interesting to watch what's, you know, happened after that was like this huge boom of like startups and this huge boom right. of innovation. And that's many of the brands like we all know and love and have in our phones yeah. today. So it's kind of, it's kind of a cool like thing to look past and like see that hope for the future to be like, so many companies are operating right now in like a stealth mode and I cannot wait. And I hope Rock Paper Coin mm -hmm. is one of them to like be on the other side of that, you know, and like really see You're the, the next unicorn. <laughs> oh my God, please. <laughs> so I mean, that, that, that's a great point though. And I've got to say that 08, 09, early 010, that was the hardest time of my life. It, it was very, very hard. It was hard employment, just period. I was working just straight up contracts. In fact, it was so bad that I ended up that that's when I was working internationally, that in Mexico, Peru, because I couldn't find good full time paying work in the US. So, but I found I lived in Mexico for 15 years. And wow. I found, um, like I speak Spanish, I have a lot of connections. These companies are struggling in the US, but they actually still want to grow their business, get their products down at the Latin America. So I found a little niche there that was able to get me through for a few years before I ended up where I am now. And cool. one of the things though, that is very, very true, what you just said, after that period, uh, you had a lot of startups pop up. I mean, like, look at, probably one everybody uses more. I mean, right after that, you had things like Uber and things like that, I believe, right? Yep, and exactly. and I, that, you know, I never connected those two dots, like you said, and my mind's just been around like, yeah, I wonder <laughs> what's going to come out. Because when we got into this last time, out of necessity, a lot of companies were born because people had ideas to fix things and the employment wasn't the best yeah. at the time. And they did their startups to make their own future, to make their own path. Now yeah. you didn't do this because of the pandemic, but you're with yeah. the pandemic, uh, you know, so that that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, I mean, it definitely like, you know, there's, like a balancing act just as much as it can mm -hmm. hurt your business, it can help your business. But I think what mm -hmm. is going to be like very cool to, to watch and give a lot of people hope is, is like that rebound, you know, what comes after the downtime, mm -hmm. what comes after the, you know, the dark periods, because so much innovation is probably happening right now that like a lot of people don't know about, including us. Like, you know, we um, haven't done, you know, a marketing campaign or anything like that. So it's just word oh, of wow. mouth. And I think that's true for a lot of startups when they are, you know, operating kind of in these first beginning, you know, years. So it's, um, it's, it's encouraging for us to like, look back and see, you know, what came out of the last time that is mm -hmm. like anywhere close to like relatable um, and just then look to what's going to come next. Yeah. 
No, that that is definitely inspiring. Get that? I mean, it's got to give you the warm and fuzzies a little bit, right? <laughs> For yeah, sure. Yeah, the only thing that's gonna let us sleep. History night, repeats. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's jump into the importance of team building, especially for two non-technical co-founders like yourself. I mean, you really have to to trust that these people, I mean, you don't really have ways to verify yourself. Does this person really know the code at the level they say they do? I mean, it, it's hard for you to judge and, you know, to really get the vision of what's inside your head to get them to execute regardless of what they're, you know, pre oh, that's dumb or this won't work or, so, you know, just to get it. Like, how do you get that all to mesh together? Yeah. Um, the, your team is everything. It's what makes yeah. or breaks a company. It's so, so important. Um, when we first started, we interviewed a, a couple different development firms and we ended up with, with one. And it was a recommendation from a friend of ours who also had them building his SaaS software, which was wedding related, but totally separate. And um, a lot of SaaS going on in the wedding world. I know, I know. <laughs> um, and he spoke very highly of them. Um, they spoke like English that we could understand. Yeah. And so we really liked that about them. So we hired them. And it was a total leap of faith because like you said, we didn't know what they were doing on the back end. There was a lot of chatter and we didn't see anything like a prototype for months. So um, doesn't that make you nervous though? Oh, it made us so nervous, but you know, <laughs> what were we supposed to do? And, so, and they would throw all these questions at us. Like, do you want to use AWS or, you know, one of these other mm -hmm. things? And we're like, I don't know, you tell us. And so we had a lot of blind faith in them that thankfully worked out. They were a great partner to start. And then towards um, probably six months before we launched the platform, the, the owner decided to essentially dissolve the company for a variety of reasons. So we were able to actually hire the developers on our payroll, some of which oh. are still working for us today. Um, so they've been with the company since the inception. They know the code so, so well. Um, mm -hmm. And there's definitely that camaraderie. Like a lot of times we'll joke about, you know, the early days and what it was like and the different things that we chatted about. And yeah. um, it, it's fun to have that as part of the team atmosphere as well, where they're really invested. Like this is yeah. not just our baby, it's their baby. Yeah. Um, so the team is everything. And, um, you know, with the wedding planning firm, I started that on my own as a very, it, at a very young age, I did not have a mentor. I did not have a co-founder. It was just me trying to figure things out. And there were not very many wedding planners around in that day. So it was a lot of trial and error and me figuring out by myself. So the experience of that versus this, where I have like a friend, a relative an equal, we have the same mission. We can bounce ideas and lean on each other. When I'm down, Elizabeth is up and vice versa. So you can really mm -hmm. lift each other up and we both bring in different areas of expertise. So um, the experience of working with a co-founder is like, there's no other way to do it in my opinion. So that's been a really, really great piece of all this as well. Yeah, that's really Cool to hear. Elizabeth, can you just tap, cover your ears for a second? If you don't like her, I'm available. No, I'm kidding. 
Uh, no, <laughs> why it, do you it, think? Having... Why do you think I introduced her to my brother-in-law? I wanted to keep her around. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. That that works. Is it hard to work with family in this capacity, learning a whole new industry? So it's funny because we started our relationship as coworkers and we were coworkers mm -hmm. for several years before um, we became family. So, and I actually think that's helped us out quite a bit because yeah. like we have that as a foundation and obviously we really like each other and we love spending yeah. time together. So it's only been a positive. That's, that's really cool. I do think now that I'm thinking about that, that, crossover from the relationship being co-workers first before becoming family that would help yeah i wish absolutely. i could probably I, I wish i could do that with my family but unfortunately <laughs> my dad came first <laughs> uh <laughs> so yeah let's change the topic i guess um, <laughs> the the buddy part okay yeah. money is very Tight. In the beginning of the pandemic, especially once people realized that, hey, this isn't going to be a two or week, three, two or three week thing. Yeah. This is going to be around. And then it came, hey, this isn't going to be your two or three month thing. This thing's going to be here for a while. Uh, money originally kind of dried up. Everybody got conservative. I know personally, like I started, I just, Perfect credit, for example, and cards I maybe haven't touched in a year or two, but they have like $15,000 credit line. And then all of a sudden I'm getting, hey, letter from Bank of America, you've just been cut down the tank. I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything. I make the same amount of money. I'm still employed. Right. But banks were getting conservative yeah. because they didn't know. I mean, it was very fearful. We could crash and burn into another recession. Was right. this a smoke and mirrors economy and, and things like that? So... I want to hear more out there about one being the importance of fundraising and two, I mean, what's your magic? How did you do it successfully during the pandemic? It, it wasn't pretty. So <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> well, very <never> is. there. <laughs> but I think, you know, what Nora and I heard all along is like fundraise, 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 take the money, take the money. But what really missed in a lot of that advice was when, and that ended mm -hmm. up being probably our biggest oh, yeah. mistake and learning experience to date. Um, it is incredibly hard to raise money um, in any market. Like, you know, people are skeptical, you know, 80% of businesses fail and investors want to see a 10 you know, times return on their money. So how do you prove that? And, you know, it is very um, competitive. You know, there's a lot of people out there raising money. So I think that, you know, in order to really stay kind of top of mind and actually be competitive, it's really comes down to a numbers game. You just have to talk to as many people as possible. And uh -huh. even if that's a hundred companies, you're likely then going to land one and not, and you can't get discouraged by that. Like that is just truly how that industry works. And whether that's right or wrong, easy or hard, like that's just well, that's, what it is. Right. That's almost like sales 101, though. I mean, if you're out yeah. there prospecting, you've got to get used to, if I'm going to talk to 100 people, I'm probably going to get one answer. If I get 100 answers, then I'm probably going to talk to, you know, get one one sale. I mean, it's just the, exactly. the funnel, the way that thing goes on. Yeah. And it takes so much longer than you would ever expect. I mean, we started this and we had in our first round, we were fundraising and we had probably like 
three or four months of runway and we're like, oh, we have so much money. Like we're totally good. And we ran out of money. And it was like the most humbling experience you could possibly go through. And then you don't, it's like you're at their mercy. And so this next, this last time around, which we're closing out our round this week, we started way early. Like we started almost like eight, nine months ahead of time. And it was a totally different experience. It's still excruciating and very painful, but like, at <laughs> least you're not running out of money. Like at least yeah, you're yeah. Like still I mean, operating. How, how did you kind of go through the valuation process and stuff like that for the fundings? Yes, that, that really, I'm going to be honest, it felt like picking a number out of thin air some days. Um, (laughs) Everyone values the company in such a different manner. So Nora and I kept on getting different equations. And then, you know, we thankfully, we hired a very good um, startup lawyer. And I will say that has probably like saved our ass more than like, we actually really want to talk about, but yeah. he really guided us in helping us come to like good valuations for raising money that protected us as founders, but allowed us to actually get money to come into the company and, and feel like right. a good deal for both parties. Um, but the, the valuation is very hard. Um, and what you value your company versus what somebody else, it's going to be different. But what at the end of the day is, are you at least in a window? Like, can you mm-hmm. come to an agreement somewhere in the middle? Do you feel, I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about your specific valuation or not, but do you feel like the number that you have is is fair for you all? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, we, we do. I mean, what's really um, hard about our valuation right now is that we did not have like a, a year to be in business, you know, like COVID right. really stripped us of that year. So we raised money this last time on what's a safe note to kind of kick the valuation down the road. We, instead okay. of going out and doing like a priced round where we say we're valued at X and this is how much stock you get. We decided to say like, Hey, um, we're going to be raising more money in the future. And do you want in now at a discount? Okay. Okay. So one thing in the startup world is that it used to be very, very hot to not have revenue, to be negative revenue like Uber for, for <laughs> many years. And I don't know, is that still in fashion? Do they like how do, do they still look at that very hard with COVID or is it the potential? I think it's still a lot about like that potential, what it could be, what's to come. Um, there's there will always be ways that you can monetize your business if you have a customer base. So Mm -hmm. is your product good enough to have customers that are willing to buy something, not even what you're selling, because a lot of companies, you know, from what they started to what they end up doing, it's different. So kind of having being nimble and being flexible, but um, you'll eventually figure out how to monetize it um, and and make your money. And um, if you don't, well, then you're part of that 80%. With startups, that's one question I did want to ask that came up. So we know that 80% businesses fail or whatever that is. With startups, isn't that number higher or is the 80% startups? It's probably even a little bit higher. I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, we were just like told that statistic. And if you tell Nora and I, know, <laughs> we're going to work so hard to be like, no, like, yes, we want to hear yes. So, yeah, okay. Like, okay. All right. We got 20%. Let's do this, Nora. Let's go for it. <laughs> okay. 
so we still have a little bit of uh, time yet because this is just so so awesome. I want to ask a couple more questions if you all don't mind. Good, right? Okay. Um, can we? Can I ask some of your product specific questions? Is that on, okay on the table? Please? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about features, functionalities. I mean, give some like people out there because I mean. I don't know how many wedding planners watch a show, but I do know a lot of business people, potential investors, tech people that might be able to, to help, especially because of the fact that I am in the ERP world. Um, so there's a lot of synergy with, with what I do, what you all do. Um, like what type of feature functions are you doing? Like, uh, I, I know you said about the payment management stuff, but are you doing like mm -hmm. the accounting piece? Uh, give us an example, a little bit more of everything that handles in your system. You can export all of your transactions into like mm -hmm. a CSV to input into accounting software. We don't necessarily incorporate that in the platform, but we make it super user-friendly to share with a bookkeeper or accountant or something to keep it really, mm -hmm. really clean. Um, one of our defining features is that three-way collaboration. So mm -hmm. for example, let's say you're getting married I'm your wedding planner and you're, you have a photographer that you want to hire. So before rock, paper, coin, what would happen is you would get an email from your photographer. Mm -hmm. Likely there would be a, a PDF or a word doc attached to it. And you would be expected to print it, sign it, scan it, send it back yep. to secure their yep. business with a check. So you would have to find your checkbook write it out mm -hmm. and send it in. It's shocking how many wedding industry businesses still um, manage their business like that today. So, wow. so now the way it works is the business is on the platform, the planners on the platform, they send you the client or the photographer sends you the client a contract, for example, you get notified, mm -hmm. your planner gets notified. If you give permissions to your planner, he or she can go in, sign on your behalf, make your payment on your behalf, and it's done. It takes okay. like literally less than a couple of minutes. So, so you're, you're doing digital signature, signatures though. So you are making it uh, paperless. So people can mm -hmm. almost think of it like a, like a DocuSign type document. Yeah. Is it that type of experience? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. It just guides you through where to sign, where to initial. You cannot screw it up if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about as far as bidding on things say i want to get catering and they're like hey here's three four options am i able to source out to get those different quotes to be able to sign on the one that we want to move forward with so all of the like pre-booking communication would be outside of the platform so the way most okay. professionals use it is they they chat they maybe have a zoom before they're going to hire each other and then once they get to the point of booking that's when they would start utilizing rock paper coin um, and we do have like document sharing options and we're working on calendar integrations. So there are some more features that are coming really soon to kind of help support the businesses on the back end as well. Um, in addition right. to the contracts and invoices. Oh, no, that, that, that's great. Cause I, that was going to be my next question as far as integrations. I mean, do you have APIs out there? What solutions do you currently talk with? Things like that. We currently are integrating with the other companies' APIs, but um, mm -hmm. soon we will have our own API, which would then integrate into wedding businesses, like their own website. So their clients can have okay. a login portal. They would manage their inquiries and their, you know, kind of proposal booking processes all in one place. Okay. Okay. Uh, that sounds pretty awesome. And then I guess the 
two last questions that I have are what's timeline? Say I buy the system, I have a wedding planner and I buy the system. Uh, how long until I'm up and running? I mean, uh, is it like, I Man. guess, multi-tenant, SaaS hosted type environment? Is it really easy setup? Yep. Like bing, bang, boom, you're running? Yep. When, yep. Oh, uh, that's great. We have like, I think two pages is our signup process and then you're on the platform. So um, we just ask for an email and your business name and you're pretty much good to go. That's it's, pretty awesome. I mean, our world, it's six to 24 months. So, oh my gosh, it's like less than five minutes to actually get geared up on the platform. And then when you send your first invoice, you have to input all of your bank transfer and like basic business information just so you can get paid. But otherwise, it's super quick and easy. Again, we're dealing with a lot of creatives where tech mm -hmm. isn't necessarily their forte, business management isn't necessarily their forte. So, we've really simplified the process to make it like, literally as easy as you possibly could. Okay. It, so what kind of, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say it was a mistake that we made within our first like three months of launching. Our onboarding was eight pages long and we were having <laughs> all these signups that we would see starting the process and then they would die at like page three or four. And we were like, oh no, like what did we do? So we just like quickly were like, okay, wait, we don't need any of this information. Get on and play around and we'll get it later. <laughs> that that That's great. What type of price point do you have with the service as well too? So we have a an annual subscription fee of $250. And then- Wow, that's um, really affordable. Right? Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that, again, I come from being very experienced in the software world. When people look at it, they're like, yuck, it's $250. But I'd be, come on, 200, how much you charge an hour for your services? Okay. You know, how many hours do you yeah. spend on this stuff? I be there's going to be a break even point. For most people, which would probably be way under 10 hours uh, <laughs> a year for them to actually be saving money, earning more money because of a platform like that. That's where in, in my world, what we do is, I mean, people have to look at it. You know, you have to do the ROI, pros, cons. Yeah, it's going to cost us 5000 for this automation or configuration, but I'm currently paying somebody four hours a week in order yeah. to do that. I mean, that's a no brainer. Do it because then not only are you saving on those tasks, but it's freeing up your time so that that employee, instead of writing something in an Excel spreadsheet, they're able to focus on actual profit driving activities instead. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're dealing with small to medium sized businesses that some of them do have to come to terms with that $250, but. Like you said, the amount of money and time that it saves them um, covers that. And one of our perks is that our processing fee is only 2.5%. So if you okay. were to look at any other platforms or go to like Square or Stripe or, or any payment processor, you're going to pay mm -hmm. more than that. So um, that's something that is definitely helps people um, come to terms with that subscription fee. That's pretty awesome. I can't wait to have you both back on when you all are valued at a billion dollars. And I can tell everybody, see, see, I know Nora and Elizabeth. They lasted in this shark tank for 40 minutes. We'd love to come back. So, so we'll see you well, next year. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about how things change next year. Exactly. Billion dollars. Um, so I, I guess last question would be, how can people reach out to you for, you know, opportunities, investing, you know, to be like, hey, I kick butt, hire me and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll help you advance your tech, whatever it may be. Sounds like you're open for a lot of opportunities of how people can help you or, yeah. you know, wedding planners out there. We have a lot of wedding planners on this show. Uh, you know, <laughs> awesome. definitely uh, uh, connect with you all. How, how can yeah. they reach out? What's the best way? So our website, rockpapercoin.com, um, lists all of our information and you can reach out. You can find our phone number, email. Like we also have our career page up and running on there to see about the jobs that we're currently hiring for. So um, please, we love connecting. Nora and I, um, as mentioned, you know, previously, we we love a network. We love um, and, you know, even if you're a startup and you're looking to network and we want to pass along what was given to us as well. So reach out. Yeah. Full circle. You got to go all the way around. Where are you located at, by the way? We're in Portland, Oregon. Portland. Okay. Okay. There you go. That's the Pacific Northwest. I, I figured it'd probably be, well, probably in Portland or Seattle, yeah. but uh, <laughs> there you go. Hey, this has been awesome. Thank you both so much for coming on. Everybody out there watching on YouTube, or if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or the other 500 different <laughs> podcast apps out there, uh, you have the link to their website uh, right in our descriptions below. Ladies, thank you again so much. It's been a great pleasure to have you on here. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. It was so great to chat with oh. you today. Oh, thank you. Cheers. Wow, that was such an awesome chat with Nora and Elizabeth, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked some warm and fuzzies, do me a favor. Come on, like the video, like the episode if you're listening on audio, subscribe. Doesn't matter if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Deezer, wherever you found us, subscribe help the channel grow we're a community like-minded business people that are just trying to get that personal professional and business growth okay as you see week in week out i bring you two amazing business owners or experts a week and we're going to be discussing about things that are relevant in 2021 and what you can learn so definitely like subscribe comment on the channel but you if you really want to help us out make sure you share this episode out on your social media get it out on linkedin get it out on twitter get it out on facebook i'd love but to see nothing more than having nora and elizabeth and rock paper coin out there trending on social media because of shark bite biz now let's get back to rock paper coin seriously so awesome i really really love their resolve and the, how they were able to find a way to just get it done. Being non-technical, they built some trusted advisors around them that really allowed them to guide through all the techie stuff and explain why things aren't as easy on paper as they were when you build an actual system. Totally love it. They definitely have all the ingredients for success. And in my opinion, to be the next tech unicorn, total supporter. 
Two other quick topics I wanted to stress was first their importance on team building. Just like I was saying a minute ago, being non-technical, but being the creative type business owners that found the problem and realized they weren't alone and the industry needed a new solution, they went out on a hunt to find the people that were able to help them and guide them to build their own solution. To take that idea you know, outside of their heads, I guess you could say, and really just formalize it and make it a real product with a vision. I love when they were telling the story about how they would just walk around, you know, giving out their business cards and talking really to anybody that would give them a second with the hopes of getting somewhere or finding somebody that could be that missing ingredient they needed. And it's really cool because it really enforces the idea that the startup community is extremely warm and open for most people. I mean, there I think there's very few people that really find it negative and closed down. And they had an extremely positive experience being new to the startup community. And that in itself is just really, really awesome. The other point I wanted to stress was the importance of fundraising. Their personal experience of how they pretty much kind of bootstrapped their business and were stressing out because of money fueled by lack of funding during the pandemic is huge. OK, it's a great lesson on just being prepared as you do not know what the future holds. But, you know, you also have to kind of stick to your guns a little bit. OK, you have to be fiscally responsible, all that good stuff. You already know that. But when it gets tough, I mean, if you have something that you believe in, fight for it. I'd say everything has started to turn out all right for Rock, Paper, Coin, but it's really because they did not get discouraged. And even when they had some bumps on the road, they're like, hey, we're fighters. We're going to get this done. We're going to move forward. We're going to find a way to get it done. They got their funding. So like I said, in my opinion, Rock, Paper, Coin, next unicorn, fingers crossed. Go, ladies, go. So, as always, if you want to be a guest in the show, do you have an amazing story like Nora and Elizabeth? Do you want to come on, tell it? Yeah, we're booking a couple months out, but don't let that, you know, bog you down and worry you. Let's get you in the queue. David at SharkBiteBiz.com. Remember, I have an article on Forbes.com that you can check. Link's always going to be down in the description. And one last plug for my own coffee brand. Dead House Coffee, okay? Use the code SHARK, get 20% off. You can go to our Teespring store, get awesome coffee mugs, stuff like this for Shark Bite Biz. But if you really want to help us, use the code SHARK, 20% off. Go to deadhousecoffee.com. It helps us, you know, maintain this channel. Believe it or not, running a YouTube channel, ads, you know, marketing, all that stuff, it's not free. It does cost money, software, all that stuff help support the channel and i'll keep bringing all this great stuff to you once again you all know this i'm david strasser this is shark bite biz we'll see you all next episode cheers thank you for listening to shark bite biz 
We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 